Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. You are listening to episode 16 of Star Wars Bookworms, your source for discussion and reviews of all the new Star Wars releases from Dark Horse Comics and Delray Books. I'm your host, Teresa Delgado, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Aaron Goins. Hey, Teresa. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? Great. It's been a long time since we've talked, but I am very excited to be back talking Star Wars Expanded Universe. I am too. And we have two special guests with us today. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our first guest? Well, our first guest has actually been on with us before. His name is Eric Geller. Eric recently had both me and Teresa on recent episodes of his podcast, The Force Cast. Uh, so we thought we would return the favor and have him on our on our episode today. So welcome back, Eric. Thank you. It's great to be here. Nice to talk to you and Teresa again. It's always fun to talk to you, Eric. But Eric is old news. We also have another guest who has never been on our show before. Isn't that right, Teresa? Yeah. His name is William Devereaux. He's from EU Cantina, and he does... You do We Talk Clones, too, don't you, William? Yes, I do. That's correct. Thanks for having Yay! me on. Yay! <laughs> I remembered. Yeah. <laughs> so We Talk Clones, so. is that... Is We Talk Clones now going to be We Talk Rebels, or...? Yeah, we're, we're uh, looking at the exact branding, because... Um... We're not sure if we want to just focus. We're leaning towards focusing on more than just Rebels. Um, maybe all new Star Wars television shows. So we haven't uh, got the branding nailed down yet, but we are working on that. Um, we actually just finished up our brief review of the new, uh, the latest Lego Star Wars special. Yeah, but I know we've had both of you on in the past, so thanks for having me on your show. I've been, yes. uh, I've been enjoying it. Yeah, I would, I would definitely like to come on when you start doing the Rebels. Uh, shows as well. If you ever, if you ever need somebody to talk rebels, I'm definitely planning on watching that show. Of course. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and Eric, you're always welcome as well. That'd be great. <laughs> this is such a, a lovely incestuous mix of podcasting that we have here in the Star Wars community. It really <laughs> is. Everybody just has each other on their podcasts, and we're probably the only ones that are actually listening too. So, <laughs> except for your show, Eric, I think you have a lot of listeners. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'd, I'd like to think so, and, and we have some great listeners, as do you, so it's great to be here. All right. Well, on today's episode, we are going to review, be reviewing a couple things. We're going to actually be reviewing a novel, Razor's Edge, as well as the comic volume Dark Times Fire Carrier. But before we get into that, uh, what's our spoiler policy, Teresa? Well, our spoiler policy is we typically wait at least a month after a release date of a book or a comic. And so we're a little bit behind, so most of our listeners should have had plenty of time to read these. Um, if we're reviewing it, you can expect full spoilers because we're not really going to watch what we say. So if you haven't read either of these, then I would tune out now, go hop in a chair, read them, and then come back. Definitely. Unless you're not planning on reading them at all, then just listen to the podcast because you don't care anyways. <laughs> but one of the reasons why it's been so long since we've talked, it's been a little bit over a month since our last episode, but one of the reasons why is because me and Teresa have both started other sh podcasts that are not related to this podcast, but we did want to just let our listeners know that there's other things that we're working on out there. So Teresa, I'll let you go first. You have recently started a new podcast 
over at the Rebel Force Radio Network. Is that correct? It is. It's called Fangirls Going Rogue, and my co-host is Trisha Barr from Fangirl Blog. And we are... The show's not just for fangirls, but we're covering a lot of things. It's not a news podcast, so you won't get any of that. We're bringing a lot of fangirl perspective on things. So we've been talking about some articles. We will have a character um, debate on every single show. And we're getting some really cool guests on. So um, our first guest was Kat Tabor. And our next guest coming up, um, the only thing I can say is that she is probably the biggest female name in the fangirl community right now for next month. Ashley well, next Eckstein. month being December. Maybe. Not... <laughs> Spoilers. That was hard to guess. No. Um, yeah, we are going to have Ashley Eckstein as part of the show. So that's super exciting for both of us because she did so much. And the reason we have a show is because of her. So We'll have to get Ashley to read a comic so we can have her on this show too. Well, you know, she does read some stuff. I have found that out, so that's very cool. Um, but, Aaron, you have a new show um, over with, it's with the Orange, correct? Yes, the Orange, the, the Orange FM uh, rate, or podcast network. Um, it's not a Star Wars-related show, but it is uh, a new show that I'm doing with my friend Adam Farmer. He was actually a guest on our show here um, a few months back. But we started a podcast all about Doctor Who. So if any of you guys out there are interested in listening to a podcast about Doctor Who, uh, go check us out. We're called Bad Wolf Radio over on iTunes. You can you can find us. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, Twitter. So if you if you look at us, we, there's a, there's actually another show out there that has long since stopped recording episodes since 2005. So we do have the same name as them. So if you're looking for us, we're the ones with the uh, the black and white logo. But um, yeah, so if anyone, you know, I know there's some crossover fandom there with with Doctor Who. I know a lot of Star Wars fans do watch that that show as well. So if you're interested, check us out. Yeah, definitely take a listen to it. I've listened to it. And because of you, Aaron, I am now past Eccleston and on to Tennant. Really? Yeah. Awesome. So I don't think Eric, I don't think you watch Doctor Who. I've never heard you talk about it. Never. Not not even a single episode. How how about you, William? Uh, yeah, I've, I actually watch it. Uh, my brother is really into it, and so he got me. I think he got me started watching it too. Oh, cool! So, so yeah, yeah, I, I I'm completely caught up, uh, but only the the new one, not the uh, not the original series. Awesome! So I've never seen that one. Well, if you're caught if you're completely caught up, you could definitely listen to to our podcast if you want to go check that out. Well, very cool! Yeah, or congratulations least... to both of you on the new podcast. Oh, thank you. But yeah. for today's episode, we won't spend too much time talking about Doctor Who, because this is not a Doctor Who podcast, but let's go ahead and get into our discussion topic today, which I kind of wanted to just, with having William on, and he's he's over at EU Cantina, so I know he's big into the Expanded Universe, but we've never actually had a chance to talk to him about kind of what his feelings are about the current state of the Expanded Universe, with the, <laughs> with the new movies coming out, you know, I'm just really curious to hear what... William and even you, Eric, you know, jump in as well. How you guys feel about what the current state of the EU is, specifically about the novels. You know, we don't have a lot of information about newer novels coming out. You know, we really don't know where they're going. You know, the limitations that they're going to have because of the movies. 
So I'll start with you, William. You know, kind of what are your general thoughts on the state of the EU right now? Uh, by that, do you mean the novels that have been released this year or the, the what's coming in the future? Just um, what's coming. Okay, because right now we don't really know a lot of what's coming. I mean, we had the last two books in the Razor's Edge series um, and, of course, Mall Lockdown. Uh, but that's really it. So I mean, at this point... Um, we don't really know what's going on, and it's it's kind of hard to have an opinion. I mean, I'm always um, you know optimistic, and so you know who knows what they're going to go, what they're going to do with the films, and what direction they're going to take with regards to the EU. And uh, you know, I'm sure the books will be following along with what the films do. Are they going to have separate books? Who knows? I don't know. Um, but I like to be optimistic at least, and uh, I'm not uh, not not worrying at this point. Well, as you- that's too level-headed for maybe expecting a little more uh, way too level-headed Herlman type we need <laughs> yeah, like come on passion conviction no I, I love the stories and the characters and everything and i'd love to see those be in the films but um you know especially uh having hosted we talk clones you know we're used to changes being made here and there and so you know if they have to do it for the good of the story i'd rather have a better story than one just you know adheres to the uh, existing expanded universe. So now again, not to say that I want them to overwrite. I would love to them to include as much as possible. Uh, but I'm trying to be uh, uh, you know not not get too worked up at this point, and you know just be excited for the new films really. Um, but it is, the the future of the EU is kind of uncertain at this point. Um, just looking at you know what's coming down the pipeline because we really don't have that much. Uh, you know nobody really knows what's happened to Sword of the Jedi. Uh, and we only have about three more books on the horizon at this point. How do you feel about the state of the comics? Wow. Dark Horse has, what, five new issues coming out next week? Or in two weeks, something like that? Uh, I just got the the next set of advanced previews, and they have a ton of stuff. Uh, I must admit, I'm a little bit behind. I've been uh, going crazy with Senior Project and now Finals, but... uh, Starting next week, I'm going to dig in and kind of catch up on the last month or two of comics. But, uh, you know, I, I think they've been doing a good job. I've enjoyed some series more than others. Um, you know, but they definitely have a lot of storylines going in. It seems like they will for the foreseeable future. I know that, that's been the rumor as well. They'll continue to have the Dark Horse license. Uh, I don't know, Eric, maybe you've heard something else. You know, uh, I, I definitely think that the content-wise, there's a lot more coming out of Dark Horse than Del Rey at this point. Yeah, Dark, Dark Horse doesn't seem to be nearly as affected by no. the, the Disney buyout and the, the new movies coming as Del Rey seems to be. Del Rey seems to be, um, I wouldn't say handcuffed, but they definitely are limited in what they can do right now because they're waiting. They're waiting yeah. for the th- same thing we're all waiting for, and that's news, more news about what the movies are going to be about. Yeah, and they are working on stuff. I mean, when, when we talked to Jen Heddle from Lucas Books on the Forcecast, one of the things she said was that uh, they are not just sort of sitting on and twiddling their thumbs. They're working on stories um, that she didn't specify whether they were tied into the new movies or accommodating the new the new movies. But um, they are certainly working on things. It's just a question of, you know, when can they show that to the public? And how soon is, is too soon? Exactly. I kind of equate it to like a... Um a new console launch many ways. You know, we just had the Xbox One and the PS4 launch. And, you know, uh, about six months to, ha- you know, three quarters of a year before, you really don't know any of the games that are coming. 
And then E3 hits, it's like, boom, 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 here are all the announcements. And I think, you know, that's what's going to happen with, uh, with, with Delray. We're just going to get a whole slew of announcements, uh, hopefully in the near future with what's coming. But for now, we just have to kind of sit tight and wait and see. Well, since this is one of our last episodes of the year, this would be the perfect time to kind of look back on the novels that have come out this year. We're gonna just we're just gonna stick with novels right now, uh, just for the sake of time. We're not gonna look back at the comics, but uh, this year we had six uh, major adult novels come out for uh, Star Wars from Del Rey, and I kind of want to just each one of us go through. You know, we can rank them if you want, or if you didn't read them all, just kind of give what your favorites were and what your least favorites were. And we'll start with you, Eric. Sure. Uh, I would say my favorite novel of the year was uh, Kenobi by John Jackson Miller. Um, I, I thought, uh, you know, it's it's a unique story because we've never seen this time period from Obi-Wan's perspective. Um, it manages to do something really well that, that, that that's important in this novel, which is uh, it makes these new characters very interesting. The, the family dynamic in the book, I think, is is really compelling. And I was not going into it expecting to care about these characters because for me the the centerpiece was was obi-wan and then of course we learn that he is very much sort of a uh, a character to whom things happen and uh, the the story is not so much told through his perspective with the exception of some diary entries um, but the family is strong it, it gives you something to think about and of course his impact on them uh, is profound um, but you do get some insight into him as well and in a in a kind of a nice way that it really reflects what's going on on Tatooine and, and what has already happened on Tatooine. So I would say that was my favorite. What was your least favorite? Uh, you know, it's a toss-up between Crucible by Troy Denning and The Last Jedi by uh, Michael Reeves and Maya Catherine Bonhoff. I, you know, I, I find very few Star Wars novels that I hate, and I did not hate either of these books, but if I were forced to say which ones did the least for me, it would be one of these two. Um... The Last Jedi, I think, probably more so, uh, just because uh, I, I had read the previous books in this this sort of Coruscant Knight pseudo series. This is not technically part of that, but it's a follow on. Um, and I don't know. I, I read it because I I try to make it a policy to read everything, um, and it didn't really do much for me. Uh, I was expecting something more exciting. Uh, it's set in an era that has so much promise because. Uh, very little has been written about the perspectives of Jedi after the, the Republic falls, particularly on Coruscant. So I was expecting a lot of things overall from this series, but but from this novel in particular. And it, it was just kind of a ho-hum story for me. Okay, William? So I think it's going to be unanimous. Uh, I loved Kenobi. I thought it was a fantastic book, as Eric Geller said. Um, a lot of, I don't know, I just... It wasn't really the, it kind of had a Western feel, but that's not what really grabbed me. I just loved how they, you know, dug into the character, how John Jackson Miller dug into the character of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And um, I just loved the interactions with him and and the rest of the uh, people on Tatooine and all that sort of stuff. It was just such a really good book. And it, it, there wasn't any major, you know, galaxy changing events, but I really, really enjoyed Kenobi. Um you know, I, I when I have time, I want to go back and reread it. It, it was fantastic. Uh, it's up there actually with uh, Plagueis. Right? Plagueis and Kenobi are are probably my two favorite Star Wars books of all time. Um, so I can't say enough good, enough good things about Kenobi. Then if I had to go through the rest of the the books, um, it's probably uh, I actually I believe I think I might go with Crucible next. Believe it or not, 
Um, wow. You know, it, it had its flaws for sure, uh, but it really felt like the end of an era. And, um, you know, and it was still fun to see you know, the big three back again, uh, having, having their last, what could be their last adventure, at least in the, the expanded universe. And it, and it kind of did feel like, you know, the end of the Clone Wars in many ways, you know, where uh, when we originally watched it, we we're like, oh, yeah, you know, it, it feel, kind of feels like the end of the show, but I hope it's not. And a week later, we found out it was. Uh, Crucible kind of felt like that in some ways. Uh, Scoundrels was also a great book. Then there's the other half. Um, Razor's Edge, I was kind of lukewarm on. Uh, and then Into the Void and The Last Jedi, I really wasn't too thrilled about. Um, I, I, I would, I've never really been a big fan of the Coruscant Knights trilogy. I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't like one of my favorite series. And uh, the characters of Into the Void, while well, it was nice to how they tied into the Dark Horse comic series, uh, didn't quite grab me as much either. So that's, that's my list. How about you, Teresa? I'll let you go before I go. Okay. Um, so my favorite book, which some people don't seem to like very much, but it was Into the Void. But we know a lot about that for me because I tend to like a lot of the sort of prehistory era of the Jedi, Old Republic, all that kind of stuff. Um, my second favorite would have been Kenobi. And just like everybody else, it had a lot of really good points. And I just felt like the story was really well written. And I love the characters and the dynamics and all that kind of stuff. Um, my least favorite book was Scoundrels. And we know that because I couldn't even finish it. <laughs> um, and then The Last Jedi. I didn't really like that one as much. Aaron? So wait, can I just pop in? Teresa, you, do you know the, the end of Scoundrels? I do know the end of oh, okay. Scoundrels. Right. I do. Um, I just, that, if you go back and listen to that episode of Bookworms, it's pretty funny because I was just like, yeah, I can't, couldn't finish it, guys. Couldn't. <laughs> yeah, it was our very first episode and she didn't even finish the novel. <laughs> I was like, are we going to be able to do this show, Teresa? Are you going to read like, the books? Yeah, I just didn't like it. <laughs> I like some of the characters. I just didn't really like the story. I actually agree with you um, on a couple points. Into the Void was my favorite novel as well. I just liked how different it was from a lot of the stuff that we've been getting lately. Scoundrels for me wasn't that great. Um, I'll go right down my list. Let's see. Into the Void was my favorite. Kenobi was my second favorite. After that, it gets a little bit harder to rank. And I would have to say that... Wow. I guess Scoundrels would actually come in third. Although I didn't love that novel, there were elements of it that were really great. And Timothy Zahn's just such a good storyteller. And the ending, the twist at the end was, it it really blew my mind. Um, you know, because I didn't see it coming. Um, after Scoundrels, I'll have to say that uh, probably The Last Jedi would come next, then Razor's Edge, and then dead last for me would be uh, Crucible. I was really disappointed in that book. But, it, I mean, it's great to see the difference in opinions because of the four of us, you know, my least favorite novel was Crucible, whereas it was William's second favorite. So, you know, obviously right. we have a ton of different tastes in the, the Star Wars, you know, fandom. And that's what's so great about these books that they're putting out recently. They're, they're so varied in the type of books that they are that there really is something for everyone. Yeah, so. I was about to say that. Different strokes for different folks. So I thought overall it was, you know, they had a pretty solid year of novels coming out. Um, but a lot of the stuff that they put out was stuff that wasn't really set in the eras that I enjoy to read. 
Um, so I hope that the the new movies coming out doesn't doesn't make it so they can't continue on the story that you know we've been following with you know currently with the the characters like Han, Luke, Leia, and you know Ben and Jaina and characters like that. My fear is that that story is over and there was so much more potential there. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our novel review if everybody's ready. Um, I'm going to throw a twist in here. Usually I read the stats and I read the publisher summary, but since we have two great guests on, I'm going to ask Eric to do this one. Okay. Um, The title of this book is Empire and Rebellion, Razor's Edge. It was released on September 24th, 2013. It was written by Martha Wells, first-time Star Wars author, and it is set two years after the Battle of Yavin. And here is the publisher's summary. Times are desperate for the Rebel Alliance. Harassment by the Empire and a shortage of vital supplies are hindering completion of a new secret base on the ice planet Hoth. So when mid-rim merchants offer much-needed materials for sale, Princess Leia Organa and Han Solo lead an Alliance delegation to negotiate a deal. But when treachery forces the Rebel ship to flee into territory controlled by pirates, Leia makes a shocking discovery. The fierce marauders come from Leia's homeworld of Alderaan, recently destroyed by the Death Star. These refugees have turned to pillaging and plundering to survive, and they are in debt to a pirate armada, which will gladly ransom the princess to the vengeful empire, if they find out her true identity. Struggling with intense feelings of guilt, loyalty, and betrayal, Leia is determined to help her wayward kinspeople, even as Imperial forces are closing in on her own crippled ship. Trapped between lethal cutthroats and brutal oppressors, Leia and Han, along with Luke, Chewbacca, and a battle-ready crew, must defy death or embrace it to keep the Rebellion alive. Woo! No offense, Teresa, but we're going to have I Eric. Know. Eric's going to come on every episode now and read those. <laughs> yes, I know. nicely done. Can Thank we just you. send Thank those you. off to you and then you can just send us the clip? Yeah, just pre-record it and then send it back. That's All awesome. Right. Good job, Eric. Thank you. So for this particular one, I'm going to take more of the role of moderator since we have so many people on the show just to make it a little bit easier. So we're just going to start from the beginning. When this book was announced, were you guys excited about it or skeptical? And Aaron, why don't we start with you? Well, for me, um, straight out the gate, I was already I was not necessarily really excited for this novel. Number one, the era that it's set in is not my favorite era to read about. I kind of like to read the forward edge of the story as opposed to going back to some of these eras of these characters that we kind of already know what they were doing at this time or we know where they end up, so it's not as exciting for me. Um, So I've never really liked to go back into this rebellion era and read more about the characters. And then Leia's never been one of my favorites to read about either. So right off the bat, it was kind of starting out in the negative for me. So yeah, I wasn't super excited when I heard about it. Interesting. Is it just Leia's character or is it just having a main character that's a female? No, it's not that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I don't know. I've never I kind of like her in her current role with the newer novels as a Jedi. I've always liked that side of her character, an older, wiser Leia. Uh, This younger, kind of more cocky, a little bit arrogant politician Leia just doesn't do it for me. Okay. Eric, what about you? 
You know, it's interesting. I, I, I like politician Leia more. I don't know. Maybe it's just I, I wish we'd seen more of that in the original trilogy, the, the sort of the diplomat role. Um, I, I certainly think she's capable of being a leading Jedi, as we see uh, in the later books. But I've always found it more interesting when Luke is handling the sort of bringing about the order and focusing more on the, the nature of the force. And Leia is sort of bringing together these groups who can barely stand each other to sort of to form a government. So I, I enjoyed that aspect of the novel where she has to sort of bridge the divide between her crew, which is, you know, suspicious of these pirates and the pirates themselves who, you know, any other group of pirates, she would classify as, you know, cutthroat raiders and, and people who maybe uh, don't even have a sense of morality to them. But she's got to grapple with the fact that these people are from her planet. It imbues them with a sense of humanity uh, that that really complicates her feelings. So I, I did enjoy uh, I enjoyed this book because I liked seeing her go through that kind of quandary. Okay, and I have a question that I'm going to ask right here, but William, feel free to jump in and also let us know if you were excited about it. Eric, you mentioned liking the diplomatic side of Leia that they were showing here and her more political side. Um, a lot of people tend to say that Padme is portrayed as more of the diplomat and that Leia is actually really good at it. But through the films, we don't really see her actually doing anything super diplomatic. So would you say that her diplo her diplomacy that a lot of people talk about comes more from the EU? Oh, certainly. I Just based on the sheer volume of material from especially the early New Republic era, um, there is very little sort of sustained, you know, diplomatic conversation in the movies because there's very little time for diplomacy uh, given the struggle that they're going through. But it's always, in my opinion, it's always assumed that behind the scenes she is working out a lot of these things. She's kind of an emissary to different groups because of her status as royalty, which we see sort of play out uh, as an important point in this book. Uh, but yeah, I would definitely say it comes more from the numerous books. William, do you have any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, um, I, I actually have to agree with Eric. Um, I, 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 although I don't really mind uh, either version of Leia. Um, you know, when they announced the book, I, was, I thought it would be interesting to read. I wasn't exactly looking forward to it. And I must confess, when I got the book, I actually, uh, I think I got it in midsummer right when they sent it out for review. And I actually didn't pick it up until probably two weeks before it came out. So it was sitting on, you know, on, on my desk for a good two months or so, uh, which kind of gives you an idea of how lukewarm I was on the book. I, I enjoyed it. I just didn't think it was as good as it could have been. I felt it kind of, um, the book really didn't live up to its potential in a few er areas. Uh, although I, I do enjoy the, I do enjoy the era. Like Aaron, I like to have it. Um, I, I kind of prefer the the stories that are furthest down the timeline, so we're actually getting new things. We don't really know where the story is going. I enjoy all eras, what, what, all all of the eras. What can I say? <laughs> okay, well we've talked a little bit about the characterization of Leia, but how did you guys feel about the characterization of Han? Well, I think that I actually think the author did a great job as far as capturing the voice of the characters um, as I remembered them from the films. So, in that side of things, I really thought she did she did great with Han and Leia. The only complaint that I had was a little bit of the the way that Han and Leia acted toward the other characters. There seemed to be somewhat of a level of 
disrespect to the other characters. It was almost like Han and Leia were the only ones that actually knew what they were doing, the only ones that were capable. And I wish they they could they would have rounded out some of these other characters to be a little bit more capable as well, instead of focusing only on you know Han and Leia. So that would have been my only complaint as far as how they were characterized. But other than that, I thought the author Martha Wells did a great job of capt- capturing their voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely felt like I was you know listening to Han and Leia while I was reading the book. Well, that's good. I mean, I think that that's important, and I would agree with you guys that it definitely felt like I could relate to Han and Leia as if, sort of as if they had just stepped off of the screen in the movies. Eric, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, it was interesting to see Han be you know, much more introspective than uh, I think in a lot of other books in this era. There, there are several times where He's sort of considering the fact that Leia is putting all this onto herself and that he wishes that he could show her that it's not her fault. And I know, you know, when you watch the movies, very rarely do you see that level of thought coming from Han, uh, even though, you know, it's there because occasionally you'll you'll see you know quieter moments. It's not as pervasive. Um, and the ability to get inside his head gives you that chance in this book. And I agree. I think Martha Wells did a good job of really showing that both of them have misconceptions about the other. Um, so that this this tension is genuine. Um, it's not, you know, when when you see two people get together at the end of a movie series, there's always a tendency to assume that um, that they were just always in sync the whole time, but that they were denying it or something like that. And there's, you know, there's real sort of turmoil here in the sense that uh, Leia will always try to take responsibility for everything, uh, even if she's not, even if it's not really her fault. And Han sort of alternating between being frustrated by that and being sympathetic to it. And so you can really see where um, it would take a while for them to, to get to a place where they're on the same page. So we talked a little bit about the primary characters, Han and Leia. But obviously there were some very interesting supporting characters in this novel. Who were the standouts for you guys? William? That's that's one of the things that I, I thought was uh the that i didn't really like about this book i felt like there were really no standout characters uh when when this book was first announced i was excited about the potential to dig dig in and explore um leia's feelings about alderaan and uh you know how she deals with those feelings when she meets up with these this group of alderanian pirates it's a new concept we haven't heard of before right you always think of alderanians as peaceful um, but uh, they're pirates in this case. So there's a lot of interesting concepts there, but I felt like the execution wasn't quite right uh, in contrast to Han and Leia, as we discussed, discussed which was quite good. You know, I, I felt like while they were they were called Alderanians, um, there wasn't really anything that made them uniquely from Alderaan, right? Um, except for that they said, that, oh, we're from Alderaan. I don't, I don't know what you guys... <laughs> you guys felt the same way i definitely Uh, agree with you william i that was one of the weaknesses for the book for me as well and i was kind of uh alluding to it earlier but the the characters that were surrounding han and leia weren't engaging for me they weren't interesting and there was not one character that after i was finished reading the novel that i thought back and said oh i really want to know more about that character i hope that character shows up in another book there wasn't any character like that um and i really wished that some of these background characters or, or side characters had been fleshed out a little bit more. 
than they were. So definitely that to me was a very big weakness in this novel. And in the end, the reason why I didn't really enjoy this novel. Yeah, it really did not live up to its potential there. Yeah, um, I, I agree that the main characters were kind of the the better written ones. The The new people were not really interesting to me. But I will say I totally bought that, that they were all Duranians in the sense that I, I can see how you know, your home planet is destroyed. You're on this patrol. You don't rendezvous with, with the rest of the group. And so you're, you're sort of toughing it out on your own. Everybody else is, you know, everybody else has the benefit of um, companionship. And there's this community that, that forms there. But you're on your own. I can definitely see how that would lead you to do things that, um, that compromise your morality over time. I just didn't think that any particular member of the crew was was very interesting was very well written some of them were just really annoying but as a as a group i can understand how these could be alderanians who had just sort of gone their own way mm-hmm. I, I just felt like you know had you taken away the name you know alderan um there wouldn't really be any difference to the characters or the situations or any, anything else and that, that i guess that was where i was disappointed with the book the one character i was very disappointed in that i was hoping to to get more out of it was the the captain of the the ship matara i think is how you pronounce her name yeah i really wanted more as soon it seemed like as soon as leia showed up she matara just basically just handed everything over to leia um didn't really have a backbone at all and just completely came across as inept as any sort of captain it's like how did this person even become a captain of a ship you know if they're this bad at their job basically (laughs) <laughs> and I really just was really disappointed. And even in the end when, you know, like, you know, we're going to talk spoilers. So, you know, when she ends up dying, I just didn't even really feel anything for that. Usually I can at least have some sort of an emotional response. But to me, it was almost like she was she was just dead weight anyways. You know, and I was just like, I just didn't have any feelings for when they killed the character off. I think they meant for it to be a big emotional point of the novel. And for me, it just didn't work. Exactly. I felt kind of the same way about Luke and Han. I felt like their their characterization was also a little bit off, or um, or at least their 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 use in the book, um, because they show up but they don't really do a whole lot. And every time I thought, oh, now they're going to have a bigger scene, they didn't. And you don't need to have a book with you know Luke and Chewie all the time, right? That's not what I'm saying. But um, I just didn't feel like they were used very well at all. And they, Luke kind of came off as a, in some ways, a bumbling idiot. <laughs> do you guys feel like maybe some of this could have something to do with the pacing of the novel? Do you feel that Wells may have tried to keep up with um, maybe imitating sort of the movies and how the movies have kind of like a frantic pacing where there's always something happening you know one new climax after another do you feel like that could be part of the reason that the characters weren't as developed maybe i don't i for i didn't really enjoy her writing style that much i thought the story was solid it was an interesting story there was some pacing problems for me just because i found myself kind of bored at times the parts that had a lot of action were good but it just Maybe they weren't spaced out correctly or something. There was just too many long points that there wasn't action. So I, I definitely didn't like her, her writing style. Um, there was a lot of like internalizing thoughts. Like The characters would constantly say things in their head, and it was always italicized. 
she definitely overused that device for me personally and my reading taste. It just seemed like she really overused that. So, but yeah, I think the pacing might have been a little bit of the problem. Eric, you've been quiet. No, I I just think um, I don't know. I'm so wedded to this concept, and and you know I can I have some quibbles with the execution. Like I said, the the new characters were not that great, but I just love this idea of having Leia really examine different ways that you could be as a as a survivor of this explosion and sort of deal with the the question of you know it's not black and white. I mean, she has known really this kind of pervasive evil in the form of the empire. And now she has to deal with um, pirates. Ordinarily, you'd think that there would be no moral ambiguity. They're conscious of what they're doing. Um, but I, I just, I liked seeing her deal with that. I like seeing her try to get it, you know, through the captain's head that, you know, look, you have to understand that there are going to be casualties. You know that you can't pretend that that's not happening. So as far as pacing goes, I, I think for a first time author, there's always the tendency to try to hit the same notes that, maybe one of the movies did uh, as far as um, having having phases of the book um, that have a clear um, uh, a punch, so to speak. And there's definitely points in this book where you sort of wonder um, about the arrangement of the book and about whether or not um, the pacing is is being, I guess, um, shoehorned in to a, to a template of the story. I don't know. Maybe I'm not being clear, but I do think that there are some issues with that. For me, though, I don't. I don't know. I was able to to pull a lot of enjoyment out of this, particularly because of how well written I thought uh, Leia and Han were. Okay, so let's jump into final thoughts. Did you like the book? Would you recommend it? And are you excited for more Empire and Rebellion books? Um, let's start with Aaron. Okay, so overall, um, I didn't really like the book overall. There was enough about it that I I felt like was weak. That in the end, when I finished, when I put it down, I thought, you know what, I didn't really like that book that much. I probably wouldn't want another book like that. There were parts of it I did like. I liked the pirate element. I thought that was really cool when they when they went to the pirate lair. You know, the just the description of the pirate lair and the different characters that were there, I thought were very interesting. Um, I actually thought the kind of the villain, I guess you could call her, Viced, um, was actually a great character. I really, really liked that character a lot. And really had wished they didn't kill her because I would like to see her in other you know books in the future. I thought she was a great character. Uh, so there was some things about the book that I liked, but overall I would say that I did not you know like this one in general. For certain types of readers, I I would recommend it to kind of people I know their taste. I know this might be more up their alley. I would recommend it to, but for you know people that are more into this, the same stuff that I am, I wouldn't recommend it to. Okay, um, Eric. I liked it. Um, I think it depends on who are your favorite characters, what are your favorite themes that you want to see in a book, and, uh, you know, is this your favorite era, is this not your favorite era? I think that goes into it a lot. Um, for me, I'm, I'm really excited about more books in this series because uh, you bring in fresh blood. Um, we've seen how well that works with John Jackson Miller, who had never written a novel before Knight Errant, and Kenobi was only his second novel. So I think new authors... Um, or I guess you should say never written a Star Wars novel before Knight Errant. Um, but I think new authors taking on this classic time period, I think it's going to work well. I think it did work well in this case. Uh, like Aaron, I definitely had some problems with the book. But overall, again, I like the era, I like the main characters, and I like the theme. So I would recommend it. Okay. William? Yeah, you know, I again, I had some issues with the book, but I did enjoy it overall. 
Um, you know, it, it wasn't. It, it's not special in my mind, not in the way that Kenobi, for example, is special or Plagueis. Um, but you know, if you like the you know the big characters, this, particularly Leia, because she's she and Han are really the focus of this book. Uh, then yeah, I mean, I, I'd recommend reading it. It was nice to kind of get into Leia's head a little bit more, see uh, how she deals with Alderaan and coming into contact with people who maybe don't really fit her idea of typical Alderanians. Um, even though, you know, again, I thought the execution was a little bit flawed. Um, I still enjoyed the story. So yeah, I mean, if you're into this era, I, I'd recommend reading it. But um, if you only read a few Star Wars books a year, I you know probably wouldn't pick this one up for starters. And I'll go ahead and chime in here. Um, I like the book okay, and I'm sure a lot of people expect me to like it because the main character is Leia, but I'm actually not a huge original trilogy Leia fan. I'm more of a Padme person than I am a Leia person, but I do like Leia. Um, the book for me fell a little flat. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend it, but I am more excited for more books in the Empire and Rebellion series just to kind of see where they choose to go from here. So at this point, we're going to say goodbye to Eric. So Eric, where can people find you and um, anything you'd like to tell us about? Sure. Uh, well, the, the best way to keep up with me is on Twitter. I'm uh, twitter.com slash Eric Geller, E-R-I-C-G-E-L-L-E-R. And uh, I write for TheForce.net, so you can you can check out uh, my musings on Star Wars over there. And, of course, uh, if you like podcasts, if you like Star Wars bookworms and you want to listen to other Star Wars podcasts as well, you can check out The Forcecast. I do that with Eric Blythe, and that's at Forcecast.net. Great. Thanks, Thanks for coming on, Eric. Thank and you both very much. It was great to talk to you. Great to talk to you as well, William. Yeah. Great talking to you too, Eric. Go read some comics. Yes, that's right. I'll put them on my list. I'd love to talk comics with you guys at some point. Yeah, next time we have you on, we're going to force you to read the comics so you have to stay for the whole show. Well, you remember the first comic I ever read I did for Star Wars Bookworms. Have you read any since? No. Uh, so. <laughs> you we need have... to read the one that we're doing um, for next month. The Ewoks, it yeah. Ewoks in it. Okay, oh, okay, just for you guys, I will do that. Awesome. Okay, so our next review up is covering the comic volume dark times volume six fire carrier anybody want to volunteer to read this one or shall i william can do it if he doesn't want to do it i'll do it go william go william you got you got you know you got to follow up eric's awesome performance so let's see how you do you've got a lot Uh, of fun words in here by the way (laughs) okay um so this is dark times volume six fire carrier it was released on september 18th it was written by randy stradley and uh the artist was gabriel guzman it's set in 19 bby on coruscant darth vader continues his obsession with ending all jedi across the galaxy jedi master kukruk is on the run with a group of young padawans Forced to land on an Imperial-run planet, they hide with other refugees. Immediately, Kukruk senses something is wrong. They must sneak away and hope that they can escape the Empire. That was good. That was well done. That I would good. have messed up Kukruk. It was much shorter than Eric's, though, but it was it was very good. Good job, William. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. But, yeah, so Dark Times. This is a interesting comic series. I've been reading this you know, kind of the beginnings of this series back when it was called Star Wars back in 1998. And then they changed it over to Republic. They ran it with that title for a while. And then when Republic ended, 
they they changed it to Dark Time. So it, it basically is a continuation of that series. Um, and I think at one point it actually surpassed the Marvel comic series Star Wars for a number of issues. So you know it wow. has it has that going for it. But yeah, so Dark Times is kind of that continuation. I've really enjoyed from the beginning. Um, you know the different characters that they introduced throughout the Rebellion or not the Rebellion, the Republic series. Um, you know people like Quinlan Voss and Ayla Sakura uh-huh. and and things like that. So I really followed this Woo-hoo. series. And, you know, stayed pretty excited about it. Although I feel like as it reached dark times, which is where we're at now, it did kind of slow down. You know, it kind of focused on just uh, a small group of characters. And it wasn't as as entertaining, me to, entertaining to me. But I did really like the character of uh, Das Janir. I thought he was a really cool character who is kind of the main character of the Dark Times series, I would say. But this particular, you know, uh, volume that we're covering... He's not in it, and it's more about Kukruk. So, so William, I know um, you know you do read the comics some. Had you been following the Dark Time series at all? Have you read the other volumes leading up to the storyline? I have. Um, I mean, I, I I definitely prefer the novels over the comics, partially because I feel like um, I easily forget what goes on in the comics versus the novels. I, I think what happens, I tend to just. Uh, read the text very quickly and I don't spend too much time looking at the art and so maybe uh, a lot of the story uh, is easily forgotten because of that I don't know but uh, yeah I have to say of the current running series Dark Times is probably my least favorite although I did enjoy Republic and I didn't know that it was a I knew that it had many similar characters I didn't know it was a direct uh, continuation of Republic though so I, I don't know um yeah, Kakruk and Dastanir and uh, the rest of the gang aren't necessarily my favorite characters, uh, but it's been an interesting series so far with him trying to protect the uh, the younglings. Yeah, Kakruk is one of those interesting characters that seems to keep popping up, and yeah. he's kind of like uh, you know they have different stories in the you know depending on what you're reading or watching like different ways that he has died, and <laughs> seems to keep popping back up. He's like that Jedi that will never die, but. I don't know if you guys remember, he actually showed up in the, the Gendi Tartakovsky animated series. Oh, yeah, that's right. I no, forgot I do about rem- that. Yeah, I do remember that. And I was actually going to ask you guys, do you guys think that it's interesting that he didn't show up in the, I'll call it the Dave Filoni Clone Wars? I kind of thought they might have him show up just because he had shown up in the Gendi series. But it doesn't surprise me. I feel like he would have been a tough, a tough animated model for them to get down, yeah. to nail down. So, it doesn't yeah, really surprise me. Maybe towards the end, it would have been easier to to model him. Yeah, but, once they got the Wookies down, then maybe they could do a a whipwid, whipwid. Yeah, yeah and, and unlike some like of the other, hog. <laughs> and unlike some of the other uh, comic characters they brought into the Clone Wars, like you know Quinlan Voss or something. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, maybe to um, to to some of the fans who have been following Dark Times and Republic, etc., for such a long time, um, the, you know, th- they'd recognize it. But he's not. I, I feel like Quinlan Bo- Voss has a bigger following than Kakruk. Definitely. Oh yeah, and he so definitely does. In terms of does. picking who, which characters to bring in from the EU, which you know was sometimes a rare occurrence, um, I'm not really surprised that he wasn't high on the list. Although you never know. You know, we do have the upcoming bonus content. Bonus content. Plus, it, with the uh, kind of we're kind of jumping a little bit to the end here, but we know that he survives Order sixty six, and he actually you know lives on 
up until the Legacy era. Like in uh, the Legacy comics, he actually shows back up. Yeah. So he's lived through all this time. So if any character was to show up, you know, even in something like Rebels, not that he would, but he's definitely still out there, you know, at that time period. He's out there taking care of Ahsoka. Right. And he's and I think it's kind of interesting that he, you know, he's with this group of Jedi because, you know, most of the Jedi have been wiped out and Darth Vader is going to continue to wipe them out. And now we have this Inquisitor guy that's going to be wiping, wiping them out as well. But Kakrook somehow survived it all, and he's with this group of young Jedi, you know, a pretty large group of young Jedi that he's still training and raising, you know. So that's an interesting, you know, interesting storyline that there's this pocket of of these Jedi out there that we really don't know what their ultimate fate is. So I would love to see them revisit this this group. Agreed. But yeah, so the story of this. This comic is kind of, uh, you know, they crash land on this planet and you have, um, they're basically taken in as refugees. And we find out that there is this militia that's working with the the Imperials to kind of, uh, you know, house all of these people in these camps. And they're taking people almost like a lottery system, I guess you could say, you know, onto the ship and say, hey, if, you're, if your buzzer goes off, uh, like you're waiting at TGI Fridays or something. You can get onto the ship, and we're going to take you to this area where you can settle the, you know, settle the land. But then, of course, we find out that that's not really what they're doing. But I thought it was interesting that they also brought back another character from the, the Republic comic series, uh, Master Zhao. Were you were you guys familiar with him at all? No, I'll... I mean, I hadn't really read the Republic comics, and. This is one of the first volumes of Dark Times I've read just because we were reviewing it on the show. So I'm kind of behind on all of this. So you're definitely the master and I'm the Padawan. <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I didn't read the comics, you know, a few years ago um, until, until a few years ago when I started to I initially started buying them. and I tried to keep up on all the new comics and go back to all the older ones when I could. Uh, so I, I have read volumes of Republic. I can't say I remember them very well, uh, but I do remember enjoying them. And so when I saw uh, Master Zhao, um, you know, I was like, oh yeah, he, he does look familiar. I, I think I do remember him. Yeah, he played a part in some of the, the Republic comics, even the ones that had like characters like Quinlan Voss in it. He was, yeah. I wouldn't say he was a central character, but he definitely popped up here and there. And he was one of those more interesting Jedi. You know, he looked kind of, different and he he has like a cane lightsaber which is kind of cool you know the republic comics did that before the clone wars did um so i actually um wrote an article it's probably been a, a couple years now about the i think I, I titled it something like the top 10 expanded universe characters that could show up in the clone wars but probably never will was the title of the article but mm-hmm. i actually had him on the list because it's interesting that at one point they were going to kill him off in the Republic comics and they were actually told from Lucasfilm to keep him alive. Episode seven character confirmed. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I always thought maybe there was a reason behind that. So I thought, Oh, there's a possibility. Maybe he'll show up in the clone wars, but you know, obviously that never happened. You don't know. I was, I was holding out hope. I always like to see these, you know, these references to these more obscure characters, but yeah, I we still it was have cool. the lost missions coming, so yeah, yeah, but I'm pretty sure he's not in them. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. <laughs> but I liked I liked that they met up with him at this camp. Uh, I thought it was kind of cool to have him show back up. And then in the way that at the very end of the comic, when he um, when the when the young girl kind of goes dark, and they do they do kind of the story at the end where Kakrook is kind of he's he's basically telling what happens to them after after they're there for a while, and the dark you know the dark girl goes off and runs away, and then Master Zhao goes after her and then never comes back. And so there's that unknown story of what exactly happened to both of them that I hope they revisit as well. That seems to be a common theme in Star Wars. Let's just leave things hanging forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, like the return of Darth Maul. (laughs) And the Zilla Beast. And And Ahsoka. And Asajj Ventress. Ventress, Mm -hmm. (laughs) We could go on for a long time. They're all hanging out at some cantina somewhere out there. All together. The cantina of lost characters. So, Aaron, how did you feel about um, the assassin that Vader was training? That was an interesting story. Like, in the, it, if you're looking at it just from the perspective of this comic volume, it really you don't get a lot of background on who that character is. Now, in the storyline that came right before this, in Volume Five, um, he is an assassin that's going after the character of Das Janir, and they never really explain who he is even in that one. Um, so yeah, I don't, I really don't know where they're going with that character. And I haven't read the issues that come after Fire Carrier, so I'm not sure if they've touched back on that yet. I'm waiting for the, the trade paperback to come out. But yeah, it was kind of a weird side story. To, they kept showing him, you know, with these, these droids that Vader had him locked up and he had these droids like kind of fighting him and it seemed like Vader was trying to train him but kind of in a weird way. So, yeah, I, I didn't really know what to think about that. Hmm. Quick, quick question for you, not to derail us, but uh, Aaron, do you usually read them in uh, trade paperback form then or do you read issue by issue? Yeah, I, I wait until they come out. I used to read them issue by issue as they came out, but I decided to, to wait until they came out in one volume because what I would find is I would do is I would read them as they came out, and then by the time the next issue would come out, I would have forgotten what the the issue before was all See, about. That that's my problem. So maybe I should do that, and I'd I'd enjoy them more. I don't know. That would be my recommendation <laughs> to you and to any listeners out there. If you are interested in getting to the comics, one thing I would recommend is going digital. Because yes, definitely, if you have an e-reader or if you have something like an iPad, get the Dark Horse Comics app. If you wait for a little while they actually drop the price of the issues and you can get them for about two dollars each and so if you have a five issue volume um something like this it only costs ten dollars um to get all five issues and you know just having them all digitally on on a small device like that it's so convenient it's awesome and you can read them anywhere so if you're out there you want to get into comics that that is definitely an invaluable app that i would recommend to get is the dark horse comics app yeah i agree and william um I'm the same way. I used to do the same thing. I used to read them issue by issue, and then I would forget. And so when we decided we were going to review them on the show and we were going to do them in trade paperback form, it actually made things a whole lot easier for me to just be able to do it that way. Yeah. I think I'll have to do that then. Yeah, and that's... Because I've been reading issue by issue, and I often just forget. I'm like, what happened again and i just as i get into it it ends right exactly (laughs) and i've got a nice backlog to get through uh, at this point so it'll almost be like reading the volume 
<laughs> so to get back on to the comic, how did you guys feel about the art? I know William, you said you don't you get kind of tied up in the words and you don't really see the art. Um Aaron? Um for this specific issue, I didn't like the art as much. They actually changed um the artist from who normally does the Dark Time series. So they kind of changed it for this one, and I didn't like it as much. Although I thought the art was fine, it was it was good, but it just wasn't as good as who normally does it. So I think that you know kind of stuck out to me as I was reading it. But overall, the art was fine. I still think that the uh, the Boba Fett series from a few years back has the best art I've ever seen in a, in a Star Wars comic. But, uh, which one? Go. Which Boba Fett? The, uh, the Blood oh, Ties? I'm on the name. Yeah, Blood Ties. Thank okay, you. yeah. Yeah, Blood that's Ties a very, is pretty good. That's a very unique style that, you know, is unique to that artist, and you don't yeah. typically see that very often in comics, but, you know, I like that style as well. Yeah. And I kind of feel like the cover art for the issues, you know, because when you buy it on digital, you get the, each issue, you know, I kind of feel like the cover art for each issue was sort of misleading because it looked really, you yeah. know, intense and fun and detailed and all of that kind of stuff. And then you actually got into the comic itself itself. And I was a little bit disappointed. I mean, I don't know if you guys. Yeah, the comic, the comic art itself was a little bit, it wasn't very detailed and it was, I, I don't. I use the word cartoony too much to describe comic art, but it just seems like the easiest way to describe it. <laughs> but it's it was a little it wasn't as realistic as some of the art, other art that I enjoy more. So yeah, it, it it definitely wasn't the strongest art, but at the same time, I've seen much worse. So True. Yeah. It, True. I, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. fine. <laughs> I think issues 2 and 5 probably had the best art. The one with Darth Vader uh deflecting uh some of the uh the blaster fire and then the the other one with the imperial officer and the crux and the the star destroyer in the background yeah uh, i think those are the two best uh in my opinion but uh but yeah they, they are definitely different than the uh, the art you get you'll see on the, on the actual pages of the of the issue and i i know they they make it nice for marketing purposes and that sort of thing on, on the cover but i'd love to see that art everywhere <laughs> yeah i the one thing i like about um comic books or don't like depending on how it's done is the consistency between the cover and the actual inside and again i know it's a whole marketing thing but that's something that draws people in to want to read a comic you know especially big comic readers they like art they like story and that's the reason that they read them so you know when you have that disconnect it sort of can throw a reader off a little bit yeah but i think people that read comics a lot that's just that's just a given that you know that you know what's on the cover is not necessarily i mean it's always it, almost more often than not it's it's a different artist that does the cover than does the interior art true um, so i think for people that are if you're new to comics yeah i think that would be a little jarring cuz it's almost like false advertisement but anyone that's been reading comics for years that's just kind of a given yeah so overall final thoughts um william uh, I I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite uh, of the currently running series so far, but uh, it's enjoyable. And um, yeah, I mean, if you if you want to find out what's happening during the dark times uh, after Order sixty six, definitely check it out. And Especially if you love those characters, you know. I know a lot of a lot of our fellow fans um, 
like you know again mark hurlman loved kakruk and those characters so it's a if you love them it's a great yeah i think mark hurlman is uh kakruk's biggest fan i think so (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think the appeal to kakruk um is because he's kind of a more unique looking jedi and in some of the republic comics they did some really great artwork where he looked really cool like you know, he had like a cool just the with the robes, and he was wearing this unique hat, and they just had some artwork in. I believe it was the Mace Windu like one shot comic that they did, that he, that made him look really cool. So I think he got kind of like a like a almost a cult following. So there's a, there are a lot of people out there that that really enjoy that character, and you know I think he's pretty cool as well. So I, I'm glad that they they keep having him pop back up here and there in, in different storylines. But uh, my overall thoughts on the comic, it started out a little bit slow to me. The I wasn't that interested in you know the young you know Jedi and the whole thing with the you know the refugees and stuff. It kind of started out slow, but as the story went along, I actually really found myself enjoying it. And by the end of it, I really loved the way it ended. I I loved the scene where Kakruk is talking to um, the Imperial officer who is a- actually ends up helping them which I thought was interesting to have the the Empire actually kind of the good guys at the end. It was interesting when he was talking to this guy, because this guy actually remembered him as a Jedi general from a battle from the Clone Wars. And because of his memory of Kukruk, he had a positive view of the Jedi, even though the, the Empire had kind of painted the Jedi as traitors. This officer didn't see it that way because of his experiences with the Jedi, which I thought was really cool. And it was interesting to see Kukruk's uh, response to finding out what really happened with Order 66 because, you know, a lot of these Jedi, the ones that survived, you know, they don't know, like, what happened? You know, why did our clone our clone troopers start firing on us, you know? So they really don't have any explanation and they're, they're probably all out there wondering what went wrong. So to, for him to kind of get uh, the Imperial perspective of it from the Imperial officer, I thought was a really cool scene as well. Uh, and the way that it ended with the you kind of this little group of Jedi that's still out there that we really don't know what happened to them um, to see that, you know, a lot of these Jedi did survive Order 66. You know, I really like that ending as well. So it started out a little slow for me, but by the end, I was really on board with it. And I really want to know more about what happens to these Jedi. Mm, Teresa, yep. what did you think? I actually felt a lot the same as you, Aaron, that um, I I actually really do like the character of Kukruk. And seeing as how this is kind of my first entry into the series, it was sort of interesting. Um, I do really like anything that has to do with young Jedi. So that kind of captured my attention. And definitely the idea of a, you know, a pocket of Jedi that survived Order 66 and sort of what transpires with them is something I'm I'm interested in. So, you know, same kind of line as you. Awesome. Well, I guess at this point we'll go ahead and wrap up the show. Thanks a lot, William, for coming on this week. It's our first time having you on, and we definitely want to have you back. So hopefully you, you'll be willing to come back sometime. Yeah, sure. It was a lot of fun. I apologize if I was a little off tonight. It's been a busy last few weeks wrapping up school and that sort of thing well we are recording after midnight now so we can definitely (laughs) we can definitely understand uh you being a little bit tired at this point exactly well yeah thanks thank you so much it's a lot of fun i'd definitely love to come back if uh you'll have me awesome always is there any uh anything you want to tell the listeners as far as like any projects that you're working on or you know things that you would like to point them to online 
Yeah, uh, so you know, I'm doing a We Talk Clones right now. It can be found over on uh, ucantium.net and solosound.net. Uh, it's our Clone Wars podcast. We also have EUcast and, of course, uh, the rest of the content on eucantina.net. Things have been a little light you know, lately, uh, as we've discussed with the EU, but um, you know, we're definitely going to be uh, uh, putting an increased effort behind the site as we go forward. Uh, so, yeah, and then you can also find me on, uh, on Twitter. I am at MasterDevWi, D-E-V-W-I. I think that's about it. And if you want to meet William in person, I'm sure he's going to be at Star Wars Celebration 7. Yes, oh, I would not <laughs> miss it. Yeah, definitely. For the world. I know if you me, want to meet all of us in I was person. Say, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know me and Teresa are going, so we'll definitely have to plan some kind of meetup and, uh, and hang out while we're there. Of course, it's great the seeing Star you guys Wars, last time. So. All the Star Wars podcasters should just get together and have like a big dinner. It's the Star Wars podcasting dinner. I like it. We yeah. should yeah, we should definitely plan that. We'll we'll have to we'll have to start reaching out to some people and start planning that well in advance so they can't say we didn't give them enough notice. I know. Yeah. Right? Oh, at celebration those those nights fill up so quickly. Definitely. Oh, they do. So, on our next episode, we're going to be reviewing the comic volume that I am so excited about and bouncing off the walls for Ewoks Shadows of Endor. And we're probably going to be reviewing another item, but we haven't decided what that's going to be yet. So, surprises are in store. Um, So, start reading Ewoks Shadows of Endor now so you can listen to it on our next episode. And, Erin, where can they find us? Well, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we are on Twitter at Star Wars Bookworms. So we would definitely, you know, enjoy interacting with you on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Check out our Facebook page. Uh, We're always posting, you know, information there. Uh, You know, any news that comes out about books, comics, you know, covers that we think look cool, things like that. You know, so we're always looking forward to talking to to our listeners over on Facebook as well. Um, If you want to send us an email, if you have thoughts about, you know, something that we we talked about or just anything that you want to contact us about uh, our email address is starwarsbookworms at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you and of course we're on itunes as well so you know go over there if you're not already uh go ahead and subscribe to us we'd love to have you you know as one of our regular listeners and of course we'd always love for you to leave us uh, a review on itunes as well we have uh, a handful of reviews over there but we could always use more uh the more reviews we get obviously um, the more we can get the podcast out there to more people. So go ahead and go over there and do that. Yep. And uh, just to clarify, Aaron, it, um, for Twitter, it's at SW Bookworms. Did I say Star Wars Bookworms? Yeah, you did. <laughs> it's okay. That would be way <laughs> too long for a Twitter Twitter <laughs> handle. So Yeah, it's at SW Bookworms. And if you want to find and follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ice Cold Penguin. And Aaron? And I'm at AV Goins. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. And as always, may the force be with you. Sorry. He's got a a date. Yeah, that's right. A date. That's exactly what's happening right now. (laughs) All right. I'm actually going to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So just so you know how nerdy I am. (laughs) We already knew. But okay. Yeah. All right. See you guys. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.